CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, good evening, whatever you quantify. Approximately 4.30 in the afternoon. Yes, not our, a little earlier than we normally record. I guess before we dive into, you know, football talk here, kind of a housekeeping scheduling notice here. If uh, if you listen to us regularly, you may have noticed uh, the lack of live shows lately, the lack of guests lately from us. Uh, it, it's simply based on scheduling. It's, a, it's become a lot easier for us to sit in our separate homes or offices and uh and record from there over skype instead of uh in person so uh but here we are uh how are you doing mike i'm doing great i'm doing great it's a monday i spent most of today getting caught up in what i supposedly missed or what i hope will be some interesting discussion over the next hour or so i i, I think yeah uh, we're gonna be in for some interesting discussion here because uh it really was an eye-opening weekend of CFL football for me, at least, because if you've listened to, you know, the show over the recent weeks, I've been pretty adamant about Calgary's unbeatable, uh, pretty adamant about the Bombers finishing, you, you know, kind of being in second place, going and losing to Calgary in the playoffs and, and stuff like that. And, and the what I saw this week, and we're going to get into all of this, my entire perception of the CFL's West Division has changed. Are you sure your perception not changing too early? I don't know. Uh, in the sense, maybe it's not completely flipped, but in the sense that what I thought was a given, that it was basically going to be Calgary going to the Grey Cup out west, I don't think is even close to a given anymore. Uh, you know what, Ryan? At this point in time, it's... I don't know. For me, like... I hesitate to jump on one week where there's a lot of enormous upsets. Let me see what happens this week. And I, I know you're talking about Calgary. Like, I want to see what they have in Edmonton. Edmonton suddenly hot. Edmonton pulled one out of the fire there on the weekend. Uh, remains to be seen is that we paint BC for a whole lot of nothing. Um... But yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly interesting, especially with the late rallies uh, by both Toronto over the Bombers and by Edmonton over BC here. But no game is done, and then you get you know the blow up that Calgary was involved in, and shall we say the expected outcome of yesterday afternoon's football game. <laughs> Um, so it was a really interesting week. Without a doubt, and uh, you and I have our uh, have our tickets to the Bombers home playoff game booked. However, we're going to have to wait another week now to find out 
whether we'll actually be able to go to that game or not, because Bombers failed to clinch the home playoff game this weekend due to a loss to Toronto and an Edmonton win over BC. Uh, so two weeks left in the season, all it takes is two Bomber win, or one Bomber win or one Eskimos loss in order for the Bombers to clinch that. But it's looking a little more dicey now, isn't it? I don't know, man. It's, it's, how many weeks do we have left? Two? Two weeks left, yeah. Okay, yeah. For some reason, I thought there was three, and then I left this morning, there was two. The Bombers have four more chances, realistically, to get a home playoff game. I think they did it this week. I'm just not sure whether it's beating BC or if Edmonton loses to Calgary. Right, right. And I, I, and I was certainly wasn't saying, oh, there's no hope, there's no chance. No, no. I, be- I believe as well the Bombers are going to get in and get that home playoff game. Uh, they they played BC this week. We've seen what BC's done in recent weeks. They blew a huge lead against Edmonton this week. Um, and then they play Calgary in week 20, where you imagine Calgary is going to rest some people. Although if they lose to Edmonton this week, maybe they use, maybe they don't rest people in week 20 and try to actually prepare for the playoffs. So uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic. The Eskimos play Calgary yet. They play, uh, and then they play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in week 20. So that's a couple of tough matchups for them as well. Uh, we're in for an interesting finish out West, I think, uh, and it's going to at least which team stays west and which team goes out east between the Eskimos and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is most likely going to be decided on the final day of the regular season. Now, here's the thing. Interesting to Calgary, just to talk about their schedule for a minute. Mm-hmm. They're David the Talon. They pulled out of the fire paint to a Courtney Stephen pass interference, which, I, which was pass interference. But then you look at this week. Saskatchewan... Next week, or this coming up week, Edmonton, and the week after that, Calgary gets a bomber. So, potentially, all of the teams that they will face in a possible West Final in the last three games of the season. Yep. Now, do we read this as if Calgary drops two of these three as Calgary's in trouble? Or do we read it as, okay, we're preparing for the playoffs. We're kind of backed into a home playoff game. We're getting ready for the West Final. I would argue that Calgary has a lot to prove. Calgary has not exactly played well um, since their last bye. I think Calgary's out a lot to prove, and I think... Resting players would be a big, big mistake. Um, because to be honest with you, Calgary's struggles go back to that last game with Saskatchewan. That defensive struggle. I kind of had it in the back of my mind after that last game against Saskatchewan, that defensive struggle, 13 to 9, or whatever the final score ended up being, 14 9, or whatever the last time. I had that in the back of my mind, but all of a sudden, either it's Calgary scooting down to these levels of these Western teams and also Hamilton in there, or is it that the West has kind of started to figure out Calgary a little bit and that their defense is not performing at such a high level? The offense for me has kind of been sputtering of late, so 
I think I have more questions than answers when it comes to Calgary, despite them being in first place, despite them being in first place in, in the league overall. Yeah, you, you make excellent points there. When it comes to the Calgary Stampeders, they, 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 they haven't played their greatest football given, compared to what we've seen in recent years, I would say, especially over the last couple of weeks, but they've still found a way to win. This week, it kind of all came crashing down for them. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense took advantage, that ball hawking defense took advantage of the offensive struggles by the Stampeders. We saw Bowie by Mitchell throw a pick six to one Duran Carter, which we'll get into in a moment. But, you know, they really took advantage of a Calgary offense that just couldn't get anything going. They shut down Jerome Messam really well. Bo Levi Mitchell was thrown off of his game. And, uh, and the defense can only hold you off so long. This is what we saw for several years here, I think, in Winnipeg, when the defense used to be the strong point of the Bombers, while the offense really didn't provide them any help. The defense can only do so much, right? And I think this week it just kind of was a little overwhelming for the Calgary Stampeders. Can we have gone 10 minutes or so into this show and we haven't mentioned Duran Carter's excellent game at defensive back yet? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, last week we recorded our show about an hour after the show is when we found out the uh, news in Saskatchewan or the rumors or the reports, whatever you want to call it, uh, of a fight at practice between Deron Carter and Sam Williams, I think it was, and reports out there that it was started, uh, that it was instigated by one of the coaches trying to get them to fight and they wouldn't, uh, wouldn't break it up. There was reports that Deron Carter, Bakari Grant, and Derek Dennis, uh, for their involvement, even though Bakari Grant tried to break up the fight, were going to be suspended for the rest of the year by the Riders or even released. It was really a wild week for Saskatchewan. Obviously, that never ended up coming to fruition. Uh, we know there was a fight at practice, but it didn't really amount to anything that was suggested that day. And so it was really an odd week because we go from one day hearing, okay, Duran Carter might not be playing in green and white the rest of the season, to, oh yeah, this week he's playing on both sides of the ball. I have a lot of... Uh... I have a lot of interesting dynamic with. I know that I personally have given Chris Jones a lot of flat for fines for various decisions that he's made and various decisions that I don't agree with. But you have to give it to him when it comes to converting offensive and defensive players to play successfully to the other side of the ball. For example, A.C. Leonard, for example, Duran Carter. There's a couple other ones in there as well, but the names escape me. I think Ricky Collins played on, uh, on defense earlier this season when he was with the Riders. Yeah, that's the guy I'm thinking of. So Chris Jones, as much as people hate him, he has to be one of the most outside the box thinkers that we have in the Canadian Football League. Absolutely. And here's some props and some credit and some defense for Duran Carter because he gets so much 
unnecessary criticism and flack and hatred from fans across the CFL. And yes, I know sometimes I may, you know, I'll agree his decision making isn't the greatest at times or his actions and his words, but this is clearly a guy that is a an athlete first of all, a heck of an athlete, a heck of a talented football player, and you can just clearly see he loves to have fun out on the football field. And then honestly, it's a good thing for Deron Carter is a good thing for the CFL because you love to see guys out there just having fun on the football field. If you think about it in your everyday life and your job that you do, whether you're whatever it is, you know, you, you want to enjoy your day at work. You don't want to go there just to say, okay, I'm getting my job done. No, you want to have fun while doing it. That's exactly what Deron Carter is doing. That's what members of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as a whole are doing. You see all those touchdown celebrations from the offense, which how many times this year have we kind of heard people, you know, say, oh, why are you celebrating so much out there? Like, you've been there before. Just, you know, pick up the football and move on to the next play. No, the guys want to have a fun out there on the football field. This is their job. They don't come just to work. They want to enjoy themselves while they're doing it. So I give mad props to Deron Carter for being himself out on the football field because I think that it's too often in professional football that we see guys kind of hold back on that. Yeah, but it, there also comes a point in time where excessive celebrations unfortunately become really bad penalties to take. Yes, that is true, but... They, they, they haven't crossed the line yet, and I'm glad that the, you know, the CFL is giving some leeway to some of these celebrations, unlike a certain football league. The No Fun not, League down south? Yeah. So... I, I just wonder, I mean, are we in a situation where we're looking at the riders in the Grey Cup? It's possible. I certainly think it is right now. Uh, just to kind of finish off the thoughts on Deron Carter here, like, that this may have been one of the most hyped-up football games of the entire season. How many people tuned into this game just to see how Deron Carter would do at defensive back? Quite a few. It was definitely, I know you and I were kind of texting back and forth every time he made a play. Uh, many people were tuning in just for that. Like, he, he, he bring the stuff he brings to the CFL, some some of it is negative. I, I'll, I'll agree with the flack that he gets in, to an extent, but, but I just think he's a great thing for the CFL. Um, I, I love how none of us really gave him a chance to succeed at defensive back. I mean, I picked Tavares Daniels in CFL Fantasy expecting a record night due to all of the passes being thrown his way. And Carter had a heck of a game. Yeah, for, for me, no, I think the whole thing goes completely south. If the first touch, the first play of the game that goes toward them... It was on the fourth or fifth play of the drive. If that pass is completed to Daniels, I'm I'm thinking we're looking at a different kind of night, to be honest with you. And let's just be frank, Foley by Mitchell had one of his worst games that I've seen him have as a starter in the Canadian Football League, and I can't believe what I saw from Bowley by Mitchell. Absolutely. And of course, it all ends with that Deron Carter pick six, which was that was a heck of a play, by the way, uh, to get into the end zone after picking that off. I mean, the pass was thrown kind of straight to him, but 
uh, that that was remarkable. It was a great end to the story. Um, and tell you what, I just uh, I just we just got confirmation from Chris Jones earlier this week um, against Calgary. Deron Carter only played on defense, so they took him away from the offense to focus on that. He'll be playing on both sides of the ball this week against Montreal Alouettes. I would imagine it'll only be defense. Uh, apparently, he's playing on both sides. That's what they said last week. That is true. That is true. It remains to be seen. But uh, another, he, another dynamic here, Ryan, but I think we're forgetting about. Kevin Blood didn't last very long. Right, yeah. Talk about the offense for these Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This seems to be the new normal for the Riders, I guess. It's their new pattern of success, if you want to call it. Put Kevin Glenn in there. Take him out after a couple plays. If he's not doing well, put Brandon Bridge in. He'll come out and win a football game. And guess what? Despite Glenn being pulled really early in this game, Brandon Bridge playing pretty well, Kevin Glenn's the starter again this week against the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. It's like, at what point does Brandon Bridge realistically get the starting job in Saskatchewan? Does, Does he get to start another game this year if Glenn doesn't get injured? You know what, I, I think it's a situation, Ryan, to be quite frank. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But ev- eventually, right, like, use it. You you can't just keep doing that every game when you, like, it, it's just so odd to me. Like, if you have this guy that's coming out and playing well and winning you football games and you have to keep pulling Kevin Glenn every game, does I it, mean, does it Ryan, not make logistical sense to you? to go and have Brandon Bridge start? No, because I think you want your opposition to... I think you want your opposition to uh, prepare for two starters, and until that happens, you don't want to anoint a number one. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Here's another thing. I'm not 100% fully convinced, but Brandon Bridge is back in Saskatchewan next year. How so? He's a free agent at the end of the year, as are a lot of CFL quarterbacks. Don't you think Jim Pop pulls him out of Saskatchewan, goes to Toronto? You, you don't. You don't think Saskatchewan's plan going forward here? Like looking at it right now, the way they've played in recent weeks, you have to think logistically what makes sense for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And this is no knock on the guy. Kevin Glenn is a great quarterback, but if they want to, you know, build build this team for the future you, you move on you hand over the reins to brandon bridge you still got vernon adams there it makes sense to go with those two guys as a one-two punch going forward because granted he's only played a couple games this year but i like what i've seen from brandon bridge so far he he's got three wins on the season that's as many as his former team the montreal alouettes um i i like what i've seen from bridge in the time he's played can i paint you a scenario quickly sure I, I don't disagree with anything that you said, but I don't look at this as a as a situation from a Saskatchewan Roughrider standpoint. I look at it as a situation um, from a standpoint of Brandon Bridge. You're a, free, you're a free agent at the end of the year. You've had a really good second half of the year for Saskatchewan. You're from Mississauga, Ontario. Don't you owe it to yourself if the riders don't come out and say in the next two weeks, if they don't commit to Brandon Bridge, 
Don't you owe it to yourself to see what's out there come free agency? I, I guess that's an interesting point there to make. Um, I, I it's going to be interesting where he what happens with him in the off season. I I think he it serves him better to say day in Saskatchewan because uh, I think he has a starting job going forward there. But that, I I think this is a conversation to have in the off season right now. Uh, we got a lot of football left to play here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, and they played really well this week against Calgary Stampeders. Like, it was as much of a blowout of Calgary as we've seen in longer than I've probably been a football fan. Yeah, and for me, like, that's... It's really interesting uh, what happens. Uh, it's really interesting for me uh, what happens in the quarterback situation throughout the whole... Like, throughout the whole... Uh, yeah, well, Auntie, but that's a discussion that you said for the for the for off the, season. For, for the off season, but you're living in the right here right now, and I can't even believe that we're looking at a situation where Brandon Bridge is taking more reps in the second half of the year than Kevin Glenn has, and I. I can't imagine, Ryan, but this is the way Kevin Glenn wants to go out. No, certainly not. And I, I think he's still got football left to play in him. If he needs a confidence boost week, this is the perfect one because he's playing the Montreal Alouettes. So uh, I, I doubt Glenn plays that bad, plays bad enough to go and get pulled this week, given who he's playing. Um, but we'll see what happens going forward for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know how I was kind of talking beforehand, my uh, my perception of the West Division has kind of changed in, in recent history, and I'm talking about the Calgary Stampeders, because I've said all season long, you know, I, I said back maybe after Labor Day or something like that, like Calgary's not going to lose another game this year in the regular season. They're going to go all the way to the Grey Cup, uh, and I had Calgary winning the Grey Cup for up until this week. I, I still have them at a good chance to do so, but... Seeing the offensive struggles continue for Calgary and see them finally get, you know, it finally come crashing down for them. I do have concerns for the Calgary Stampeders in the playoffs. Um, and to me, they're starting to more look like that team that has a great regular season record and chokes in the playoffs like we've seen them do in recent history. Can I paint another scenario for you here quickly? Sure. Which Canadian football league team did not have problems? Saskatchewan might have a quarterbacking problem. Winnipeg has a defensive problem. Calgary, I don't know who you pin the blame on. Offense. Toronto, yeah, consistency. They played some good game, some bad game. Ottawa, played by consistency. For me, this is the situation... Who can play the hardest over a two- or three-game stretch? And I would actually pick right now the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is possibly the hottest team in the CFL. I'll give I'll give Edmonton that. I don't know. The Riders just have something about them. That's They're a dangerous team going into the playoffs. Yeah, you, we've seen what that defense can do when they rise to occasion. Uh, and, and I think things are going to be real interesting. Do you still favor the Riders if they have to come to the East? If they go through the East, I think I do. Um, I think I, I think they're a good football team, Mike. Uh, it's going to be tough because we know like teams don't nor- 
has a team ever crossed over and gone to the Grey Cup? I don't think so. No. Nope. No. They've made it to the East Final twice. So, I mean, history is not on their side. And certainly the Argos would, will be a tough matchup, especially with James Wilder, which, oh man, is he... He's on pace for almost 3,000 yards if he played a full season. For me, for me, this is like, this is crazy from the standpoint that we, I, I can't recall going into a playoffs in the CFL with so many questions that need to be answered. I, I agree with you. It's, it's going to be some fun times to watch uh, as we close out the regular season here and we go into the playoffs. Um, moving on from Calgary and Saskatchewan, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike, all they needed was a win this week to go and lock up that home playoff game, and they fail to get it. They lose after Justin Medlock misses a field 39-yard field goal on the last play of the game, and they fall 29-28 to the Toronto Argonauts, but... Mike, I don't think the score really tells the story of this football game because while the Bombers lost by one point and, uh, you know, had a chance to win it on a last-second field goal, for all intents and purposes, they got... It was a beatdown. Yeah, again, it's... There's a lot that you... There's a lot to be concerned about in Calgary, and it's been... Wheat's in the making. It's not just this one game. No, we're talking about the Bombers now, though. We're talking about this game against Toronto. Oh, sorry. I completely... Again, same same, same kind of deal for, uh, you know, the Bombers. I mean, I listened to the radio today. There are guys that... Uh, there are guys that... Saying, but, you know, is it a bad game for the defense? Or is it just an off day for the defense, you know? I, I, I don't think it can be an off day when that off day comes every second week. So, so how do you draw about fixing this in two weeks? I, I, I don't know if you can. That's the problem. Um, and while, the, yes, they were losing, they missed a huge piece and Maurice Leggett being out for the season, but I don't think you can pin giving up... 560 yards or whatever it was, a 400-yard game from Ricky Ray. I don't think you can pin that on the loss of Maurice Leggett on defense. No, it was all around a defensive effort that really, after they played really well against BC the week before, was really disappointing to see, actually, because you talk about concerns or teams with questions going into the playoffs— I, I I don't know what to make. Like, if they if the Bombers put up a defensive performance like this in the playoffs, no matter how good their offense is, I, I, I don't know how if that's going to be enough to overcome it. Lots of questions on the Bombers. Offensively, they haven't been the same. I asked the question, is something wrong with Andrew Harris? Well, he hasn't been getting the ball as much as he normally does. Nine carries for 32 yards in this game. He only had the ball thrown to him twice for four uh, for four yards. So a, a bit of underutilization maybe from being, you know, being used so much throughout the season. He's getting a little tired. He is, you know, he does get hit quite a bit. But I, I don't know what's going on with Andrew Harris. Certainly not the production in recent weeks. He hasn't had a real dominant game in recent weeks. Um 
but I don't think it's something to be concerned of long term. Travis Bond injury, does that hurt the Bombers? Absolutely. He's, as much as we talked about Matt Nichols coming in last year uh, and instilling life in the Bombers' offense and this team as a whole, I think the addition of uh, of Travis Bond is equally, uh, you know, was equally a part of that. So I think it's, it's a huge loss to have him missing on that offensive line. How long is he out for? Don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. What's up, uh, um, you know, talking about people that were concerned something is up with? What's going on with Justin Medlock, Mike? Coincidence. Is it? Yeah. Because as much as I love Justin Medlock, as much as, you know, he's been reliable since he's become a bomber, the, lately, a couple times this season, he's had a couple game spell where he just... It's kicks that he should be making and that you expect him to make that, and he expects himself to make, first of all, that ends up, uh, you know, he ends up missing. And they unfortunately come at really bad times. Two games this season where he's missed the last second field goal that throughout his career, he's been known to make 90% of the, 99% of the time. Um, going from the most accurate kicker in CFL history to Justin Medlock now actually being the least accurate kicker so far this season. So is it just a funk? Does it end? Do you have concerns if we go into a playoff game and it comes down to the final play of the game and he has to make a 50-yard field goal? No, I do not have concerns because the just like, I have a hard time believing that a kicker just ages over the course of a season, but he loses his stroke in the middle of the season. Right, that's what I'm. I'm so confused about because he started the year off great, but then all of a sudden he's gotten in the spell, and it seems like something's up. And I don't. We won't know what it is, but I, I'm concerned for the Bombers if that doesn't fix. Like to me, like I said before, how concerns of Calgary. Have, for Calgary, have kind of dropped my perception of them being a Grey Cup favorite out west. I still think they are. Same thing with the Bombers. I still have them at a decent chance in it. But the defensive concerns, the kicking concerns for me, for the Bombers, uh, they're a concern going into the playoffs because you have one game, and if, uh, if you don't play your A game, you're out of the playoffs. So, you know, it's a matter of who, which Bomber team are we going to see show up once they reach that playoff game. How – here's a real quick thing. How different is this conversation if Medlop makes the field goal with no time left? I think I, – I don't know if we uh, if we go and talk about that, obviously. Um, because like, if he makes the field goal and he's an inch away from making it, if it goes an inch to the right or inch to the left, it's true. Bombers at the home playoff game – Everybody's celebrating. We're still in contention for the West Division. Yeah, like, yeah, it's people, very, it, people, it, it, it's very different conversation. You're correct. Like people are making a big fuss about a missed field goal when the Bombers, there's been games where Matt Lotter single-handedly, single-handedly, and I can think about this earlier this year. In fact, where Justin Matlock has single-handedly kicked the Bombers past. Whatever team early in the year. Well, 
gotta love it when recording software crashes in the middle of trying to record a podcast. Um, it is about two and a half hours later, and we're back now, Mike. We are indeed. We are indeed. Luckily, what we had recorded so far saved, so we didn't lose anything. Uh, but we kind of got interrupted in the middle of our conversation just to kind of wrap up the point you were making uh, about Justin Medlock. And in his defense, you know, I, I think you do make a very fair point there that, well, yes, he has occasionally come up uh, short this season and hasn't had his most accurate year. Definitely, like you said earlier on in the year, there were a couple games where he kind of carried the team a little bit. And I think, you know, the reason there's so much flack on him whenever he misses is because of the illustrious career he has had so far and the, you know, the accuracy he's had throughout his whole career that there's kind of the higher expectation for him to make kicks that we don't really anticipate him missing. Yeah, that's true. And also, uh, yeah, also, uh, you know, I, I just think it's the fitness of the market. I mean, people have high expectation uh, for the uh, for titters and you know, it's like that in every market. The the pressure is ramped up, especially you know with the states and all that, and the standards and all that this time of year, and it only just magnified from here. And frankly, when it comes to you know issues, the bombers need to solve going into the playoffs. Uh, Here's a solution if you're worried about your kicker. Don't put him in a position to have to go out and win the game for you, right? As in defense, offense, uh, they, they got to step up, right? The defense especially has to lock it down. Can't keep giving up this many yards. They gave up an astronomical number to the Argos this week. Uh, the Argos dominated time of possession, had the ball for 38 minutes. Uh, th- that's not a recipe for success to win a football game. It's not on the kicker in that case. No, it's not. And, I mean, you look at it kind of, uh, it's a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting situation. But, well, the one thing I will say about this is, um, basically, when, when, if you're asking for a football game to come down to a kicker, then you have basically other concerns that you haven't addressed to the point where if it if you need to rely on your kitter then you know you're not doing other things very well right and that's yeah that's what i was just saying there as well you know looking at this loss in the grand scheme of things there there's still a pretty good chance i would say of the bombers locking down that home playoff game yeah they lose the potential to catch calgary for first place in the division i don't think that was going to happen anyways um so in the grand scheme of things you know if the bombers can go out this week and win and lock up second place this loss doesn't really mean much for them um however you know i i do think it is kind of a big deal because we're looking at a game now against BC this week, and if you listen to last week's podcast, this is where I was saying, you know, after such a scrappy game against the Lions the week before where you lost a lot of guys due to injury, if they could have locked up second place and gone into this game against BC, not being able to change spots in the standings, 
you know, maybe rest a couple guys so you don't risk them. Because it's going to be another feisty affair. These teams don't like each other um, coming this Saturday with BC in town. So now that they don't have second place locked up, you know the Bombers are going to have to go out and uh, win this football game. So I, I think that part is uh, is a concern for me. Is it, or does it keep the Bombers mentally in tuned into football games, the laundry tape? I'm not suggesting that they should clinch as soon as possible, but to have something, to have a game mean something, you know, in the second last week of the season, I'm just wondering if that's a benefit uh, for for uh, the Bombers down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I uh it could very well work out for them that way. Uh, looking well, at the, but I'm just, wa- I'm just wondering, like, if 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 you would have already clinched, does that maybe allow a a little setback, and does it allow you to kind of take it a little bit easier? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Perhaps it's better to keep playing meaningful football right up until the playoffs, not take a week off there. Um, only time will tell, though, the whole like injury situation. If any injuries come out this week, then maybe it was costly. You never know, right? Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's just... I, I think we're, we're forgetting the fact that the Bombers, if they go 1-1 one and one down the stretch here, will have a better record than that of what they had last year. Don't they already have a better record than last year? Exactly, but if they lose out, it'd be tied. They were eleven and seven last right, year. Right, right. Sorry, I thought it was ten and eight last year. Um, yeah, you're correct on that. Uh, looking at the Argos, this win was. I mean, the, so the fact that they still almost lost this one despite dominating the entire game. Like, what do you make of that? Because uh, I I don't really know if the Argos could have played much better football. Um, you know, if you look at, for me, for me, the issue becomes their defense a little bit. I mean, they, they let the Bombers kind of into the game, let the Bombers kind of run away with the game, then we're forced to kind of rally. I think they're in the same boat as, as the Blue Bombers. I think they need some defensive consistency, um, I think they're just as good a team as the Blue Bombers if they can put it all together. Ricky Ray, 32 of 43 for 423 yards passing. A heck of a game for Ricky Ray. He's having a heck of a season. We, we talked earlier that one game he missed where Fajardo and Matthews split time and really couldn't get anything going. How much of a consideration for most outstanding player in the CFL this year do you give Ricky Ray? A lot. I, I think he's the MLP out east. I, I really don't think it's close. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but but do you give him a shot to win it overall, or or are you pretty dead set that... Uh, does does records play into it at all, that, you know, they have kind of a 500 record, meanwhile there's candidates out west with better records? I don't think record plays much into it, but I think if you look at it, I mean, are you looking... Really, at a scenario where Jeremiah Mazzoli might be the Titans' best player, and a no- and a nominee for MOP. No, no, no. Yeah. So I, 
I, I agree with you. Ricky Ray is going to be the Eastern MOP uh, without a doubt. I'm just wondering, going up against the candidates out West, how much of a chance do you give him to beat out one of them? Or who would your MOP be at this point? My MOP, to be quite frank, is Matt Nichols. He's been better than Bowley by Mitchell uh, for a large portion of the season, especially of late. Uh, Andrew Harris, to me, is kind of tailed off. It's between Bowley by Mitchell and, and Matt Nichols for me. For me, it's actually Bowley by Mitchell I don't even think is in the running for it. Uh, I definitely consider Matt Nichols as a valuable candidate. Um Mike Riley, you have to give some consideration to him. I was reading some stats on that earlier today. You know, looking at that seven-game win streak to start the season, what was the one constant piece in that mass of injuries they had? It was Mike Riley, and he carried the team week in and week out, despite having, you know, dealing with all the injuries around him. During that seven-game losing or six-game losing streak, Mike Riley arguably wasn't at his best during that time. And now we've seen him in back-to-back weeks go and lead the Eskimos on uh, late comebacks to pull out key wins down the stretch. So I think you got to give some consideration to Mike Riley for MOP. Um, he would probably be my vote, actually. Okay, despite the losing streak? I, I, I think so. I, I guess maybe I'm getting MVP and MOP mixed up, right? If you're looking at most valuable to his team, I think it's an argument between Ricky Ray and Mike Riley, uh, just based on what we've seen happen when they were either off their game or out of the lineup. Um, most outstanding player. You also got to nominate Alex Singleton. How good has that Calgary beat defense been all year, and how dominant has he been? So I, I think there's some great candidates this year. Uh and I think Ricky Ray deserves to be up there with the way he's played. Can I can I throw Brandon Zilstra in now? Absolutely, absolutely. Heck of a year by Brandon Zilstra. Because I think Mike Riley doesn't have the success that he has unless uh, you're talking about a wide-open target like Brandon Zilstra. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that one there. I... Uh... You know, when it comes to most outstanding player, it's always like thoughts always immediately go to the quarterback, but the quarterback can't do much without wide receivers to throw it to. So Brandon Zilstra definitely deserves a nomination. Is the MOP race lead wide, very wide open compared to in previous years? I would say so. I don't think there's a definitive winner right now. I uh, after week seven or whatever, when the Eskimos were seven and zero, I thought it was hands down going to be Mike Riley. It wasn't even going to be close. But I, I, I think it's a wide open race now, and I'm, I'm interested to see who comes out on top. Do, do you, do you think there would be a benefit to maybe announce the MOP and all the awards at the conclusion of the Gray Cup? In what sense? In the sense that you know we might be forgetting about a. Uh, a playoff, you know, we're not necessarily keeping playoff performance into these type of awards. Well, well, playoff performances generally don't go into the calculation of awards in any sport, really. You look at the NHL, it's always kind of regular season focused. So I, I, I don't know on that. One thing I will tell you, if you look at another award coming up at the end of the year, the Rookie of the Year Award, uh, you know, I was I was going back and forth most of the year. Mark and Michelle, Duke Williams. 
How could we forget the running back of the Toronto Argonauts, Mike? James Wilder Jr. In the last five games he has played, 914 yards of offense. My only concern with James Wilder is I, I agree that he may be a non-knee. I think it's just a tougher sell uh, for him over a guy that's played the full 18 games, right? Yeah, yeah, I could see the argument there. He's been so dominant, though, like, uh, I, he would get my vote. Like I was saying earlier, you know, that that's in five games, 914 yards. If you translate that to an 18-game season, you're looking at a guy with a 3,000-yard season, which when's... I, I don't even know when the last time that would have happened, if it has happened, from a running that's, back. That's ridiculous. He is... Um, frankly, I think Brandon Whitaker's out of a job in the offseason. Yeah, I, I... But again, you always need those depth guys. True. Um, James but, Wilder, but, this is his team going forward. You have to wonder if maybe he gets a shot in the NFL in the offseason. His dad is a former NFLer. Um, I was told this week, um, you know, he's a bigger guy. He clearly runs really well. Uh, you have to wonder if he's going to get a shot down south. I think Joshua also did the shot down south. Absolutely. The Argos pick up a win here. They're still uh, they're still in a race with Ottawa for first place in the division. They're set up pretty well now because I believe the Argos have two games left. Uh, nope, sorry, they have one game left, um, and Ottawa has one game left. So still a bit wide open between those two teams, but uh, a key win for the Argos here. For sure, and I. I'm just laughing at the fact that we just came to week 18. Ottawa's on their first bye of the season. They go back on a bye in week 20. And potentially if they win the East, which is unlikely given the circumstances, but you never know, have a bye of the first week of the playoffs. Absolutely. And, you know, Mike, uh, we don't have an, a Red Blacks game to talk about this week, but we did to get news out of Ottawa earlier today. That's not good. Brad Sinopoli out for the rest of the season. When did that injury happen? I don't recall seeing it. Uh, he sat out the last game against Saskatchewan, I believe. So it was a couple weeks ago. Um, but obviously a huge loss for the Red Blacks. One of Trevor Harris's favorite targets. Um, you know, it just means other guys have to step up in that Ottawa offense. Is that Hardy die a receiver? Yeah, Jake Hardy's a receiver. So I would expect him to take a, a bigger load and then... You know, you got the likes of Ellingson still who, you know, he's was leading. I'm not sure if he is leading the CFO and receiving yards, but he was leading for a time there. I believe Zilstra has taken the lead at this point. But yeah, yep, Brian, they, Brandon Zilstra leads the league. Yeah, but they have more than enough assets, I think, to cover for his loss. Fair enough. Uh, Mike, moving on. So the Bombers lose that game to Toronto. Um Obviously, we turn around a couple hours later. We're all cheering. Everyone in Winnipeg is cheering on the BC Lions um, as they take on the Edmonton Eskimos because a Lions win means the Bombers host a home playoff game. Lions up 16 points with around five minutes left in the game. Things are looking good. Everyone in Winnipeg's got their countdown on, refreshing their scores, watching TV, getting ready to celebrate. 
And then, as predictable as could be, I, I was not surprised in the slightest when I checked the score and saw this game had gone to overtime. The Lions blow a 16-point lead in the final five minutes and lose in overtime to the Edmonton Eskimos. Mike, your reaction when that first happened? I watched the whole thing. I was watching it with somebody else. We had gotten to the office after being coming back from out of town. And we said, oh, 16-point game. What can go wrong? person that I was with uh, said, yeah, it's game over. What are they going to do in such a short time? And I said, well, you'd be surprised. And I'm just absolutely mystified by the fact that the BC Lions did such a horrendous job after the first touchdown was scored, I'm trying to melt the clock down as far as possible. This, this has been a struggle with BC all season long. We've seen them blow leads. You know, it's like we saw that against Ottawa a couple weeks ago, I believe. And then there was no aggression. I'm just looking here. Adarius Bowman had a 20-yard touchdown pass from Mike Riley. The two-point convert to Brandon Zilser. That happened. With 36 seconds left, there was zero aggression on the part of the BC Lions to try to take a field goal or even, frankly, a, a rouge at the end of regulation. That's a good point. That's plenty of time left to get that. Uh, you can move down the field pretty quick in the CFL. You know, like, I, I'm sorry, but it's almost like BC's mailed it in already and said, that's it, we fold the tent. Well, it's, that's arguably the case. I, I, I don't know what to make of the BC Lions this year. This was a team that started, didn't they Didn't they start 5-1, five 5-2? And five and yeah, 5-2. and two, They had that Eastern trip, remember? That three games in a row already? Right, four, and they won four in a row. They started, so they started 5-1. and one. Since then, they, they are now at 6-10. and ten. They've lost nine of their last... 10 football games the BC Lions have. Uh, not what anyone was expecting this year. So where do you go yeah. from there? Where do you go from there if you're BC? Well, I think you got to really look at maybe replacing Wally next year. Sad as that sounds, but... Do you, do you pin yeah. this on Wally Buono, though? Like, is he, is he your fall man for this, or... Uh... Yeah, I, 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 I have a hard time pinning anything on Wally Buono knowing how great he is. Hello, quarterback position. Remember our, the season preview shows that everybody saw in June? Jonathan Jennings for MOP. Lions to unseat the Calgary Stampeders. Lions a great cup favorite. Lions this. The Lions might be unbeatable. The Lions might be the next closest thing to beating Calgary. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, things have got around in BC. And I'll tell you what, if I'm Wally Buono and my health is as good as it is and as good as we know it to be, I'm back at you. I don't end my career. I don't end my career on a low light test. No, yeah, and I would totally agree with you on that. Mike, the Edmonton Eskimos are getting hot at the perfect time right now. This is a team that has come back and won two straight games late, uh, including an overtime this week. 
Um, they've won three in a row now right before playoff time. You know, this this might have worked out perfectly. It's certainly not what we expected and not what anyone wanted, but the Eskimos, they had that strong start to the season. It put them out ahead. Uh, you know, they had their bad spell in the middle, and now that now they're on a roll leading into the playoffs. Are the Eskimos the most dangerous team in the CFL heading into the playoffs? I'm not sure, but I thought we were saying that about the Riders. Well, I think it's one of those two teams. That's why I said before, my perception of the CFL standings of the playoff picture has, has changed this week because, you know, <laughs> arguably I was counting out the Eskimos and the Riders for a long time. And now I think these are two teams that have a great shot at getting to the Grey Cup. Can I just say something to Jason Moss? Sure. What do you take before a game that allows you to have an absolute temper tantrum every single game? Perhaps it's a good thing they ended the live mic experience. <laughs> because I, I really don't know if you saw this. No, no, I, I've seen it replayed many times. The Edmonton Astros give up a safety, rightfully so. The cameras catch Jason Moss giving an absolute earful to his special teams coordinator. I don't know about you, but if I worked for Jason Moss, I'd be scared as heck to do anything where he'd just come unhinged. Yeah, yeah. It's something he certainly uh, certainly needs to get under control, especially with playoffs along the way. Like what? Something goes wrong and you're going to have a absolute outburst and your team will feed off of that? Probably not. Maybe, Probably. maybe he knows it. Maybe he knows his team better than we do, and but they feed off of the emotion. But I know I, for one, that I played sledge for a couple of years, and I've heard of other players that play team sport, and 95% of them don't respond well to coaches that have outbursts. Absolutely. Adarius Bowman finally had a breakout game this season, Mike. 136 yards and a touchdown for him. He has had a rough year, but perhaps now they're, you know he's getting involved in the offense again right at the right time and just another weapon for Mike Riley uh, coming down the stretch here. I, I, I think the Eskimos... I guess for the, my question to you is, for the Eskimos and the Riders, one of these teams will go out east, one will stay west. The Eskimos could potentially still finish second place ahead of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Would you rather, for like, if you were those teams, would you rather stay out west and go through the Bombers and the Stampeders or go out east knowing the crossover history? I know that uh, Luke Mollander of uh, Rider Radio suggests that it's always good to come to your own division because you need the toughest test to get to the great top. I think the preference for both those teams is to stay out west. Just given the volatility of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and how difficult it is to be the crossover team. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Earlier in the season, I would have said, oh, let's all go out east and have a party and see you in the Grey Cup West Division. But um, I, the Argos, to me, and the Ottawa Red Blacks are no easy matchup either. <laughs> it's... I'm scared, and I shudder to make playoff pitch. We're going to have to do that in two weeks, Mike. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> it's, uh, 
It's going to be an unpredictable. I, I think we're going to in for a, an outstanding finish to the 2017 CFL season. And I think it could be very unpredictable. And, and despite the fact that, you know, there's not much up in the air anymore through two weeks and it could all be decided this week, there's still a lot of great football. Absolutely. And then the final game of the week, Mike, yesterday, there's really not much for us to talk about in this one that we haven't hashed out for weeks upon weeks. And and I almost don't want to talk about this one because I want to give Alouette's fans a bit of a break because they've seen it on the field. They've been hearing it all season long. Just every time you think it can't get worse in Montreal, it finds a way to do so. The uh, the Ticats beat the Alouettes 43-16 in the Alouettes' final home game of the season. They've now lost nine straight games, which ties their record for most straight losses in a season. I don't I don't know what I don't know what to say on the Montreal Alouettes that we haven't already said. You know what you know what I suggest to our podcast people? Go find Cliffy D. Pine on Twitter. He had about 20 tweets about the football game yesterday in succession about his thoughts. What he said. Yeah, yeah, I read them as well. I agree with that. Um, I'm just looking forward to hopefully seeing some sort of changes from the Alouettes in the offseason, and I don't know if we're going to see them. Um, But, you know, I'm looking forward to, I want to see this team get back to being a good football team the way it used to be. It used to be the class of the CFL. Now, unfortunately, it's become the joke of the CFL, the Montreal Alouettes have. Um, and, and I want to see them succeed. You know, I, you, you want to see every team succeed. Obviously, not more than the team you're a fan of, but we've been through some bad years here in Winnipeg, and we've lived through, you know, watching the Bombers struggle for years upon years. Uh, you, you don't wish that on fans of any team. No, and I, I want to see a brother get rid of East-West. Like we've said many times. You know, you know, Mike, When uh, right before we continued recording here, I was just reading some comments, um, this is kind of off-topic here a little bit, some comments from Randy Ambrosi, I think it was from this week, talking about making a real push forward to get a 10th team in the CFL out in Halifax. Oh, wow. Saying that, you know, it's clear the fans want it. It's clear there's a market for it. Uh, and, and I think that's something in his time as CFL commissioner, we are going to see a 10th team out in uh, the Atlantic region. That would be such great news. Um, I'm just wondering, would a 10th team be viable when you have a market like Toronto that had 13,000 people show up at arguably the biggest football game the Toronto Argonauts have played in some time. Well, what are you going to do? Move the Argos to Halifax? Well, you got to fix the existing before you expand, don't you? See, I don't know. I, I like the idea of expansion out east. I think I, I think it's a better market. Uh, I, I think it's a market. You know, anytime you bring a team into a new place, I think, I think there's going to be a huge market for it. Uh, obviously, the Jets here in Winnipeg talking hockey for a second when they came back. Obviously, there was the pre-existing market, and Winnipeg's just a crazy hockey town. But you look at a team like the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Like, did we expect Vegas to go and be, 
you know, as lively as it has been in terms of the NHL there so far? Probably not when no. they were first announced to move there. So I, I, I think in almost any case, when you open up a new market, it brings a whole new audience there. Obviously, the NFL hasn't succeeded so well. I've, you know, we've seen some of the crowds with the teams that have moved to L.A., but I, I, I think just opening up a new market has, has a potential there. Yeah, but when you got markets, but it has to be done with care. I'm not against uh, putting a team out east. It just has to be done the right way. The Ticats roll to a pretty uh, convincing victory in this one. Brandon Banks has his first return touchdown of the year. He also has over 100 yards yet again. Uh, an incredible season for Brandon Banks. Um, closing in on 800 yards receiving on the year. And he was not that involved in the offense early on. Jeremiah Mazzoli plays great again. You know, Mike... Kind of, there's there's not much to talk about on the Ticats side right now, right? Besides, great football team that had a bad start to the year and fell just short because they're winning games lately. But with after two weeks from now, we don't speak of them much again until the uh, until the uh, season review show. Here's one thing to consider. I it was abundantly clear yesterday in some actions of June Jones and others. But Zach Talaz's days in Hamilton are done. How so? He played very little in a blowout game. Mm. Yeah, you would have thought maybe they give him a little more time, maybe to, you know, see see what they're going to do with him going forward. But yeah, yeah, that's a telltale <laughs> sign for me. The interesting thing... It's, Sorry, go ahead. It's... It, it's clear that Talaros is not a June Jones guy. And June Jones clearly oh. loves Jeremiah Mazzoli, and I think it's fair to say Jeremiah Mazzoli loves June Jones because he's done great things for that offense. You know, it puzzles me because I, I've been, I was reading comments, you know, oh, June Jones did just enough to go and save his job for next year, or people suggesting, like, his job is on the line for next year. Like, your perception of the situation in Hamilton, does it not make, like, perfect sense to keep him around for next year based on how he's turned this team around in the second half? Yeah, or you're just wondering wondering if it's smoking mirrors. If that... He, does, he doesn't have that big of a sample size. No, but he he's clearly put a mark on this team and has them playing successful football right now and building things going forward. I, I, I think he's a clear choice. Uh, I, I I would hate actually to see the Ticats move on from him in the offseason because he, he's done great things for that team since he's arrived. What if a guy like Ritty Rear or Trevor Harris becomes available? As? What do you mean? They're both free agents. Are you, are you saying, oh, so we're talking about the quarterback position now? Yes, because oh, you, you brought up Jeremiah Mazzoli, so yeah. I said, well, what, what, about, what, about, what about an upgrade about possible free agent, James Franklin? Is James Franklin others? an upgrade over Jeremiah Mazzoli? I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. I think, I think the Ticats might have their quarterback going forward. He's he's been nothing but successful since he took over the starting job this year. He's had a couple losses in the time, 
They played the they beat the Bombers. They played Calgary pretty well. They had a blowout win this week. He's kept them in the games they lost. I, I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is the starting quarterback for the Ticats next year. Interesting. I'm going to say this right now as a hunch. Zatalaus ends up in BC. I, I'll tell you this. You know, you mentioned Trevor Harris becoming available. Trevor Harris isn't leaving Ottawa. No, no question about that. I would be shocked if he does. Granted, but he's still a pending free agent. True, true. Um, so, so, and as far as I'm concerned, until the until he has a new contract, it's open for discussion. Fair enough, Mike. Uh, we're already over an hour, so uh, let's quickly get into our picks here, Mike. Um, starting off with Friday night, a doubleheader, the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Ottawa, Ottawa's last game of the regular season. Who do you got in this one? Ottawa coming off a bye, trying to make the statement, trying to keep first place alive. Ottawa by three. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to actually agree with you on that. As much as I love how well the Ticats have played lately, I, I think, you know, this is a very important football game for the Red Blacks, their last one of the year. At home, Ottawa's a lively atmosphere. I'm going to go with the Red Blacks to win a close one here. Montreal in Saskatchewan. Darian Durant makes a return to Mon- to his former team in Saskatchewan. Brandon Bridge also playing against his former team if he plays. Kevin Glenn playing his former team. Deron Carter playing offense and defense against his former team. There's many more guys on the Riders that used to play at Montreal. So you're taking the Riders, right? You know, I, I, I will say that I am taking the Riders. Montreal just better off forfeiting this football game, to be very honest with you. I hope Darian Durant doesn't embarrass himself in his, against his former team. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he did not look good yesterday from what I saw. No, and, and I guess that's one thing I wanted to talk about quickly as well. You know, I was kind of it was kind of interesting to see, you know, the season's over at this point. Darian Durant uh, getting the start this past week. To me, it just seemed like, you know, here's your final three weeks to go and prove that, you know, we should bring you back next year, kind of make a decision on what they're going to do with Darian Durant, whether they're going to bring him back or let him go in the offseason. I think that's what this was from the Alouettes. Uh, not a good sign that it didn't go very well. I'm just flabbergasted that that uh, Darian Durant has hit a brick wall. Me too. Like he was a dead quarterback, like last year, even two years ago. Yep. Yeah, How- he was. I, the injuries. I I think it's so like wholeheartedly. I think it's the injuries. A couple years in a row of terrible injuries. It's it's hard to bounce back from that, and he hasn't been the same ever since. It's weird. The 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 die is the die is such a you know, I'm I, I can remember being at the game when Darian was a rider and he got hurt there his first injury. Yeah, we were there together. I did not anticipate the downward spiral than that of what I saw from Darian Durant. Same. Um, so I'm taking the Riders to win this one to wrap that up there, obviously. Um, Deron Carter is going to get another pick six, book it. And it'll be as entertaining to watch as always. The BC Lions in town in Winnipeg. 
Bombers can wrap up and clinch a home playoff game if they win this one. Who are you taking to win this game, Mike? Shelby Adley. Bombers will score 35-plus and pull out a 47-44 win over BC. Oh, boy. Um, I don't really do score predictions, but I'm going to take the Bombers to win this one as well. BC's won one game in their last 10. It seemed like a little bit like they almost gave up late in that game against Edmonton this week. It's going to be a scrappy one. It's going to be a feisty one. Um, But I think the Bombers are going to come out on top and hopefully not give up 560 yards. And then we have the Battle of Alberta to round out the week. Calgary coming off a rare loss uh, against the Edmonton Eskimos at home. A big game for the Eskimos here. Um, who do you got? Did you see that long list of ridiculous streets that came to an end because of that game? Yep, yeah, there were quite a few. Dave Dickinson's first loss at home among them. Well, guess what? We're talking about a Calgary two-game losing streak. I'm taking the Eskimos. It's tempting. I like the way the Eskimos are playing. Calgary's got to figure out that offense has struggled. I, maybe it's recent history. Maybe it's history making, giving me this pick. Uh, but I see the Stampeders bouncing back in this one, and I'm going to take Calgary to win. But that game is Saturday night. I may change my pick about eight times before then. It is Monday. It is Monday. There is plenty of time still to flip-flop back and forth. Um, Just to close things out here, Mike, you got anything else you want to talk about? I hope I see some improvement from the Blue Bombers this week. I know they should. The Bombers haven't lost two in a row in quite some time. I have confidence, but the Bomber defense will bounce back. Absolutely. Oh, one more thing. Forgot sure. to mention this. Guy made a debut by the name of Chris Gibbons. Yes. Very, 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 very impressed by what I saw from him. I want to see more. Me too. I liked what I saw from him. Um, so, Mike, the CFL Twitter awards have opened up uh, for nominations for this year, and among them is the best podcast account. You think we got a shot? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Most likely not. Um, but if you would be so kind as to give us a nomination, we're looking for a, a single nomination at least. You know, we will celebrate a single nomination because we can say we were in the running in that case. So if you think, you know, if you're willing to give us that, tweet uh, at to at CFLT Awards um, with us at CFC on Mike FM uh, with hashtag best podcast ACCT abbreviation of account and nominate us for the best podcast account of the 2017 CFL Twitter Awards. Honestly, if I may take us out of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to do so. Uh, Our friends at Eskimo Empire Podcast are a very good second choice. Uh, Well, yeah, they won last year. I think they'll be in the running again this year. Uh, Just in general, you know... Yes, it's a competition, so to say, for best podcast account, but really all of them are spectacular. So many great CFL podcasts around the league. The most accessible league, I would say, when it comes to sports league, when it comes to, you know, podcasts that 
basically whichever team you support, there's a podcast for it. If you, you know, you're interested in the league as a whole, us among other podcasts, um, fantasy podcasts from the onside CFL fantasy podcast, basically whatever you like when it comes to the CFL, there's a podcast for that. So I, I, I think overall the community is a wonderful thing. Yeah, and you know what, it's such a cool community, but everybody kind of supports each other and listens to each other, and, you know, no two podcasts in the CFL that I've listened to are ever the same. Absolutely not. And we will continue to strive to be weird and different. Weird and different, including multiple tapes at the same podcast. Yep, yep. That was new today. I think that may have been the first time middle of recording we uh, had technical difficulties. So, yay for new strides, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, That's basically all we got for this week. We will be back again next week. We're closing in on the playoffs, Mike. I'm looking forward to those and doing some playoff predictions with you in a couple weeks. Uh, But in the meantime, we got the regular season to close out here, so... To everyone out there, enjoy the rest of the regular season as it comes to an end, and then we get into the fun part of football playoff time. Final thoughts, Mike? Well, final thoughts, as I said, I want to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know they can put forth a better effort. I want to see Andrew Harris play at least a half in this football game. I wouldn't be against if they came out tomorrow and said Andrew Harris is not playing. Thousand thousand aside, I've been some guys to use the rest going into the playoffs. That's all for this week's show. We wrap it up here. We'll see you again next week. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, Ryan Coop, Michael Garrell, and we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.